You are listening to the Inspire Her podcast. My name is Farron, and I'm so excited to bring in some inspiration, some amazing guests, and give you the tools you need to live your best life. Let's learn from each other, let's support each other, and let's inspire her. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Inspire Her podcast. I am so excited to have you here and so excited for you to be a part of this podcast because this one is going to be truly inspiring. And I'm actually, I've already been thinking about all the places that I want to share it and who I want to hear it. And I'm hoping that you take this podcast and you listen and you share with others and you tag and we spread the message and hope to inspire more women to go for what they want. So that being said, um, you know, I always like to introduce my next guest. And so my next guest for the podcast is somebody who I just, you know, randomly met. Actually, you know, what's so crazy is I was just telling someone this story about how I met you. And it's totally like the way of the Inspire Her podcast, just like inspiring other women. And I remember seeing this girl posting on social media. And we were both part of the same network marketing company. And I knew that she lived like in my area. And I saw her posting and being a little more loud about her feelings towards things that were going on in the world, right? We live in a little bit of a crazy world right now. And I saw her openly posting and it was so freeing to me to like see someone else speaking up for something that they believe in. And I, and I, we were in the same network marketing company. So I usually, you know, I kind of keep to myself head down and I thought, you know, I really, I got to message this girl. Cause I just want to say, I see you posting. I just want you to know that it's awesome. And I also see that we're doing the same thing. So, you know, putting yourself out there is probably hard, but I wanted to give this girl a shout out. We're not on the same team. We don't even know each other, but I just wanted to give her love because it was inspiring to me. And she wrote back immediately, like, thank you so much. Like, I, I do want things to change. And, and I was like, well, let, let's just like talk. Let's mastermind. And I immediately fell in love with this girl. I was like, this girl's on a mission. She wants to change the world. Like she's standing up for her children. It was everything that I believed in. And I swear, I think I sent that message like the beginning of the week. I mean, within a couple of days, things were rolling. She starts crushing it. And she completely has changed so much here where we live in South Carolina and has inspired so many people. So she is the epitome of mom inspiration, women inspiration. And for everybody listening, um, you know, you're kind of wondering what should I do in times of when I want a change or I want, I don't like the way this is going um, in any situation in your entire life. Maggie Marlowe is here to tell us how she did it, what it's all about, kind of the basis of how this started and to give you inspiration to do the same. So welcome, Maggie. Thank you, Farron. Gosh, what an introduction. Um, I still remember getting your message and just being so thankful of the recognition from somebody at the time, because I know it could be controversial um, to put yourself out there. Um, and I was just so appreciative of it. So it was just nice to connect with you. And I mean, look where we are now. I mean, I know. Two years, fast forward almost two years, yeah. um, and here we are. So kind of crazy. Um, a little bit about my background. I mean, I as yeah. far as as far as starting all of this, um, what Farron's talking about is more or less um, masks on our children, <laughs> um, and what kind of led me to the end of it all. And I want to kind of go back to the very beginning of of COVID um, and reiterate 
the scarcity that we all felt from it, right? Um, and we were all wearing masks and we were all being super protective and super mindful. Um, not that we aren't still super mindful in our own ways. Um, and just kind of the progression of, of my, not I'm not anti-mask, but of my pro, pro medical freedom, you know, pro-informed consent choice that I made for myself and my family, my children. Um, you know, I was in a Harris Teeter grocery store back in April, I think, or May of 2020. So right, still in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, definitely beyond the two weeks to flatten the curve, but I was um, getting bread and an elderly gentleman next to me passed out um, like a board falling flat on his back, um, cracked his head open. He was double masked and had a cloth um, actually inside his mask as well. And he was scared and gasping for air. And I was frightened to approach him at the time because we were just still so ill-informed of how COVID worked and you know how it was spread and whether or not touching somebody was allowed and you know the whole six foot, 10 foot rule and all of the things, but he was gasping for air. So I took my pinky and without touching him, I said, I'm gonna take off your mask so that he could breathe. I mean, he was choking on his own air because he had knocked himself on, you know, knocked himself out. Um, his head was bleeding and he reached for, he felt the blood, it scared him. He reached for my hand for comfort and I backed away. <sighs> Sorry, the story gets me every time. Yeah. It takes every ounce of your body and every ounce of you, yourself as a human to back away from somebody who is scared and in need. And I got pissed off. It's <laughs> really what it came down to. Um, I got pissed off at myself. I got pissed off at society. I got pissed off at not knowing what we were dealing with. And I came home just angry from the grocery store of not comforting an elderly man who needed it at the time. Sorry, I no, I, I love this. I'm crying. I, I literally cry every time I tell the story. Um, and I did check up with him. I did go back to the grocery store the next day and checked in, and they had gotten an update. He was totally fine. He knew his name, he knew his address, he knew his phone number, like he was coherent, he was gonna be okay. But like the whole situation just sucked. And um, you know, we we fast forward and we get through summer. And, you know, my kids are running around the neighborhood unmasked with their friends. We are, we're doing, we're doing, you know, play dates with only a certain amount of families. And we get through the whole summer and we go back into school and our kids are in masks and slowly but surely, you know, on the weekends, we're starting to see more people and people are kind of getting lackadaisical about, you know, going to parties or whatever else. And a year later, so we're talking um, March, April of 2021, um, I receive an email from our neighborhood um, swim team that says that our children would have to be masked while on deck outside during swim team over the summer. And that's when I just kind of like lost it. <laughs> and I had a Zoom call with our, with our swim instructor and um, it was more or less protecting children, you know, protecting his team and other people during this pandemic. And in my head, I'm like, we're a year, you know, we're almost, we're over a year through this, you know, it's been proven at the time and it had been proven that COVID doesn't spread necessarily outdoors and the wind and the, you know, we're in vitamin, vitamin D and the sunshine and all these other things. And 
um, it was a text message from another friend who just said, well, you know, my, when I, we were corresponding cause she kind of felt the same way I did. Um, and I let her know that like, no, they're going to be masking our kids outside. Um, she's like, well, you know, my kids are just so used to, I guess it's okay. And a light bulb kind of went off and I was like, you know, what? I'm like, it's going to be the complacency of our society. That's going to be the death of us. I said, if we don't stand up now to all of this. I'm like, I don't know, when will it ever end? And I kind of, that's when I think you had reached out to me that week. I mean, it was like this like snowball effect of people reaching out to me. And I think I posted about something about the complacency of society at the time. Um, and, and then you and myself and two other girls started this Facebook group that was just unmask um, our children in South Carolina for SC. And what was it over like 72 hours? We had like 3,500 parents. It was insane. In the Charleston community, um, all wanting to know how to get masks off of kids um, and what we could do to do that. Um, And with the research that I had done previously to all this, because I really dove into the efficacy of masks, um, the efficacy of the emergency youth authorization. I mean, I had done my homework with all of this and um, through it, um, I discovered that masks were considered medical prophylactics under emergency youth authorization. And I did not sign consent for a medical prophylactic to be on my child's face. Um, And that's the tactic that I took when writing to the governor and to our local representatives and to our senators um, and up to um, our attorney general. And with the help of our local representatives, that letter reached the governor. um, And within 23 days of receipt of that letter and him doing his background work, he was writing the executive order to unmask our children. um, I think that was early May. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was which, before school let out. Yeah. Yeah. Which of course was, I was the upheaval and disruption of <laughs> all of Charleston County school district. And I was the evil one who unmasked the children when the community needed to be safe and all this other stuff. But it wasn't, it wasn't about unmasking all the children. It was about giving us the choice back yeah. and, and, and allowing us as parents to Um, weigh the risk versus benefit um, and to weigh the informed consent um, aspect of it. uh, Because in in my personal belief, and again, these are my personal beliefs and personal opinions. um, I don't think that society and um, the citizens of the United States have been informed um, and they don't know the risks versus benefits for everything that's being implemented. and we deserve to. So, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So I think this is, this is so awesome. And so for people listening, um, I would say like, no matter what side of anything you are on. Um, and I think for anything in our lives, you know, this was like a pivotal moment for a mother to say, I don't believe in this. Um, I want my choice in this decision or anything that happens, whether it's education or, I mean, it could be a first sports team, whatever that involves your child for a mother to say, I don't believe in this. I'm going to one, do my research on this to see where I stand. And two, I'm going to freaking do something about it. 
And I think on both sides, you know, for the past two years, I have seen so many people talk a lot of talk on Facebook and say a lot about both sides of the situation. But it's like, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to, where are you going to start standing up? And I think you consciously made that decision. Like, I, I can't just be a fly on the wall. I can't, I can't sit here. I don't know if that's like your personality in life or this brought this out of you, but I think it's inspiring for a woman and a mom to see that like, crap, it, it didn't take, you have no like medical, you know what I mean? Like you're, were you even involved in government anything before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and now when you hear Maggie talk, it's like, she can pull out like, like, you know, an article, this and this and this and this, because you've done the research. And I think people are willing to talk the talk, but are they willing to like actually do the work it takes to make a change? And you did that. Yeah. And I, you know, and again, I don't, this is, this isn't just about like the constitutional rights and the laws and the, um, you know, the legality behind it all. This is also about, um, myself, my personal beliefs within it, um, the longevity of this emergency act that was instilled and is still being instilled in, in the United States. And, and, you know, the two weeks to flatten the curve that's turned into, I mean, I think we're on like day 800 and some, <laughs> like it's kind of crazy. Um, and, and then to really dive in and ask the hard questions of, okay, well, you know, you're going to put a mandate on my child's face, you know, mandate a mask on my child's face, but where's the peer reviewed study? Um, where is, you know, where is the study of the efficacy of masks on children? Where is this, you know, where is the controlled study that proves that it stops the virus? I mean, there is there to the to date is not a single study that proves right. a controlled group study that proves that SARS-CoV-2 can be stopped by a mask. Um, and if you read all of the FDA approvals um, and the emergency use approvals, they come with huge asterisks that state that the masks have to be labeled to say that they do not, um, they do not actually stop viruses. And they also come with the OSHA recommendation of fitting, the appropriate fitting of masks. And we all know that children don't wear masks appropriately. I mean, most adults don't. Um, and even with N95s, they, I mean, I'm, I'm going into this, but even with N95s, there's only a certain amount of serial number of N95s that are actually OSHA approved. Mm -hmm. So most people are walking around with, you know, N95 masks on that aren't even approved to mitigate COVID. So it's just one of those things where you, you really do have to dive in and know all of this. And I have done the research because it's, I actually find it kind of fascinating how, um, ill-educated people are that are making these decisions for us. And it also goes into the educational aspect for children and the long, you know, repercussions of, of this that we're going to see on our kids. You know, I have, I have a child that is still reading on like a kindergarten level in second grade. And that is due to the fact that he's been in a mask since kindergarten. Mm -hmm. um, he was learning to read during those vital years and has an auditory um, discrepancy where he needed to see the face, the mouths move of teachers. So that's a huge, huge learning aspect for kids to learn how to read and learn how to pronounce, um, you know, their letters. And it's not being done because the teacher's faces are covered and the children's faces are covered and they're not being able to hear and, and discriminate between, um, 
to letter sounds. Right. Yeah. You know, I think a big thing with this is, you know, like you said, like this is parents' choice. And that's, I think, you know, whenever people say like, you know, anti-mask or anti-anything, it's like, I think 99.9% of the time, at least the people that I surround myself with are, are like, it's not ever about that. It's um, just choice. We just want choice. And for a parent, you know, I have talked to, gosh, I just talked to a lady and her child uh, was deaf. And she was like, it's like everybody forgot about everyone that was deaf during this whole thing. Like that, you know, like, yeah, let's mask like that mom, her child is deaf. Like she should have had the choice. Like it needs. And I honestly, I say like, I stick up for the teachers too. It, if, you know, it's their choice as well. Do they want to wear the mask all day? Like a, a, a teacher should be able to stand behind and pull their mask down you know, I mean, we could go all into that, but I'll forever like stand behind a parent's choice because no one knows your child better than you. And just to assume that one mask is going to work the same for every person. Like you don't know what trauma that child has gone through. You don't know what their life is like. You don't know if they ever wash that freaking mask. You don't know any, like, you don't know. I haven't met people. They're like a patient came in one time and like had one lung and was stressed about wearing a mask. And I was like, do not, do not wear that mask. I was like, I will walk you out. Like, you don't know people's situations. So it's like, we need to take judgment out of this, you know? And like you said, like, let the parents decide, like the people who are making these decisions don't know anything usually about healthcare or about our children. And, you know, watching you fight for that is, was, you know, seriously inspiring. And so for people listening, like the, she kind of like said it, it, and the real reality is, is that Maggie had this, I de- okay, I got to change it. I got to do something. Right. And so, you know, she says that like, yeah, we all started the Facebook group and we did, you know, I, that's like, I guess I was like the cheerleader of this. Like, I'm like, rah, rah, yay. But Maggie was like, oh, okay, let's go. And this group grew and all of these people actually didn't want masks on their children of all of South Carolina. So many that like it created a movement and people were coming together to be like, I just want the choice. And then for you, I mean, you had to go out of your way to talk to you I and mean, you were talking to representatives. Like, have you ever talked to a representative before? No, I hadn't. I mean, I, and I'm going to say this and people will probably laugh, but I legit did not even care to vote in local elections for these representatives prior to this. I only voted in like the, you know, the national four-year elections. Um, I will never miss a local election again, because these people really do stand up for us, especially here in South Carolina. If you're listening from other states, other states are obviously um, constructed differently. But for South Carolina, we're a legislative state. So all of our all of our laws have to pass um, the House and the Senate before reaching the governor's desk to be signed into law. So our representatives are the people who actually speak for their constituents um, in South Carolina, and it's the constituents who are reaching out to them that are making the difference right now, um, which I think is why this a grassroots effort like United Parents um, is being looked at the way that it is um, on both ends. You know, you have representatives reaching out saying, how can we help you? Can we come and speak with you? I'd like to meet you. And then you have the opposition calling us, you know, I mean, I have been labeled on Facebook as the, um, the, the anti, what is it? The anti mass QAnon 
proud boy loving anti-maskers of the anti-vaxxers or something like that. I mean, like it was, I've never in my entire life had somebody be like, wow, that's like, just label somebody like that. I'm like, I, I don't know any QAnon members. Um, can, oh, conspiracy was in there too. You know, conspiracy theorists. Um, you know, I'm not trying to follow conspiracies. I think, I think a lot of us are, are waking up to the fact that those have been, you know, planted as in the news and stuff like that. But um, it is about the choice, going back to that. You know, the mandates take away the choice from people. Um, and that's, it, it's equal across all boards, sure, but that's not what the United States was built on. That's not um, how the laws protect us. Um, and I don't think that this is a, it's not a one size fits all process, masks aren't. Um, you know, I do know kids out there that cannot wear them. Um, and I understand that because they can't wear them, they want other children to wear them to protect them. Um, but that's, it, it needs to be, it needs to be a choice and a risk versus benefit that is, that is weighed on a personal level. Um, and when you mandate it, you take away the choice. Um, and that's what I think people do forget. And I want to reiterate too. So when we got back into masks this back, this last fall in September, um, our Charleston County school board decided to put in a policy to, to mandate masks again. And it was like a three day implementation of this policy. And I kind of walked my boys through it and said, this is what they're going to do, whatever. And you know, my youngest, who's my tenderhearted one, um, woke up that Monday morning, like visually kind of upset. And I could, I was watching him like almost look nervous while eating breakfast. And I was like, buddy, you don't have to wear, you know, you don't have to not mask today. I said, I didn't fight for your choice to then go tell you that you cannot wear one. That's not what this is about. Right. Um, and so he took a mask to school that day and he's like, well, I won't wear it and I'll just see what they say. But of course, you know, he's like, instinctively kids just want to be rule followers. They do. Um, no kid wants to be the opposition and no kid wants to feel like he's, you know, not a part of the group and the group, it, you know, incentives right now is masks. Like everyone should mask. So it did kind of, it, it hurt my heart to see him feel like he was going to get in trouble if he didn't put one on. Right. You know, well, that's just not how this is, but he came home and said, mom, I put it on halfway through the day. And I just wanted, I just wanted to, I said, that's fine, buddy. Again, like I fought for the choice. It's right. your choice. I can't tell you, you can't wear one now. That's not how this works. Like, right. Right. Um, and I think that's important for people to hear too, especially, oh, I when, know. you know, I it, it, yeah. I was going to say, I think, um, people probably don't know that about Miss Maggie Marlowe, like the fighter for like, you know, freedom was like, Hey, yeah, you know, let her son wear a mask, you know? And I think that's so important, you know, because, and really shows like it was always about choice, you know, and, you know, which awesome. And I also, I was writing down when you were talking, cause, um, you know, that you did your research and that you weren't always like, you know, against masks. Like, you know, if you would have seen Maggie very beginning of pandemic, she would have been one of the ones wearing a mask, not touching anything, whatever. And we were all there, but then, at some point, something's going to happen in your life where you're like, you know what? Something doesn't feel right. Um, and then she fought for, for choice and then, you know, did her research. And I think that would be a tip for everybody listening, like doing your research on whatever topic you start to feel in your gut, like something I just doesn't feel right. I want to know more about the situation and not just 
following along with what other people are doing, but see, and that could be, again, that could be on both sides. You might be like, I did my research and I want to wear a mask for the rest of my life. And do you like, because that's your choice and that's what we're fighting for. Um, but you know, I, I think something for me so cool about you, Maggie is like that your letter got in the hands of, of our governor, mm-hmm. like, so for every mom, it was listening right now, mom, woman, man, whoever you are like listening and wondering, like, I don't know, I couldn't make a difference. Like, I can't, I don't know if I could do this. Like, I, I believe in this, but I don't know if I can make a difference. Like, holy crap, somebody who came from doing fitness only, you know, like, you know, having that as her job to like, I need to make a change to talking to representatives, to creating a Facebook group, to having her letter on in the hands of the governor of South Carolina, like, and she met him now, like, but in his hands at a time where people, it was very controversial, like, what are we doing? And a letter that actually immediately he read it and then said, I, I, I totally agree. Like, I don't agree with mandates also her, her letter, Maggie Marlowe's letter. And I like, I think we're so far past when United Parents has started in this group that like, I want everybody to know, like it was her letter, a mom from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, with the only background she had at that time was fitness and health and helping people do a quick workout turned into my letter is now in the hands of our governor to fight for, you know, personal choice and medical freedom. And it worked. And he immediately sent out this thing and schools went crazy. And, and the next day, everybody's like, I'm not wearing a mask tomorrow. Like, and, and you can Google any video right now. And children are rejoicing at not wearing a mask and they want the choice. Right. And so, I mean, it's just Maggie, like, I hope you see how incredible you are. Like that, you know, for any woman who's like, I don't know if I can make a difference. And I know moms say this, like, you think I'll just sit back and I'll just cheer someone on because I don't think my voice will make a difference. Well, your voice went into paper that went into a letter that like, and, and for anybody listening, especially if you're in South Carolina, I mean, holy crap, the grand state of South Carolina, that affected not just little old Mount Pleasant, that letter, Maggie, that you did affected everybody in South Carolina. That's huge. And honestly, guys, I will say my friend, I'm, from Maryland and my friends from Maryland saw this on the news and other states started, this started to be a thing. Like, like it was our governor did it. And then, you know, and then other states were like, okay, what about me? And then people, it was like, this thing was going through our governor did this. And this was all because of a mom from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina decided to make a change. I got chills just saying it because it is really cool when you think of it. Let's read your, you're awesome. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you. I don't take recognition very well. I say yeah, she's sitting there like humbly, like, yay. Um, <laughs> did have a trickle down effect. There were, I think like five or six states after Governor McMaster's wrote that executive order that stepped up and wrote executive orders as well. Um, I did have it, you know, and I, I try to focus on the trickle down effects and I try to focus on the other grassroots efforts that um, grew from that. And the people who reach out to me from multiple states asking me what I did. And I, and I was able to provide that letter to them and told them exactly the step-by-steps. I think the most important aspect of this is that it got in the hands of the right representatives. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Smith and Lynn Bennett were a huge, huge benefit to that for me. Um, and it was my first time speaking to them. Um, and our friend, um, another friend of mine who um, I'm actually not going to, I'm actually not going to name um, for, for certain reasons, but she's the one who saw the letter and got it in their hands. But within like an hour of reaching out to them, they were both calling Mark Smith and Lynn Bennett were both calling me and saying, walk me through this, walk me through your thought process. And I need this on official, I need this on like an official letterhead and I will have it in his hands. So, um, because they felt the same way, they felt that our children should not be the burden of this. Um, and that the mandate, you know, the mandate part of it was, was a huge, huge issue. Um, and, they've, you know, they've stuck by us and they've, they've stuck by our side and are fighting for our kids and the education and, um, you know, fighting against these mandates and, and really looking into, you know, the freedoms that are being taken away from us and the risk versus, but, you know, and, yeah. and educating them along the way too, you know, they didn't understand my letter fully until I explained it all to them. And they're like, got it, you know? Yeah. Um, and it has been a lot of research. I mean, this is, you guys can't, this is all audio. You can't see what I'm about to hold up, but oh I, my gosh. I call this my Paley McInerney binder. I mean, it's, it's labeled. I can flip to anything. I have, I have it all. I mean, it's like, um, it's not an obsession, but at the same time, it's, um, it's informed consent. Yeah. I love that. You know, even our governor and actually every governor, you know, who has been kind of standing up against this, they, they all it's, never been against masks. It's been, um, I want the parent to have a choice. Um, and I honestly, I highly respect that. And, you know, and I, I always, you know, my friends in Maryland are you know, their kids are still wearing masks and, you know, and, and, you know, I'm like, I don't know, maybe there is a time that I would want my child to wear a mask. Like maybe you have like a, a, a cold, you know, a slight cold or whatever. And you're like, you know what, maybe this is the best or whatever. Um, but, you know, I want that choice. I, you know, and like you said, I mean, we, we all need that choice. Um, so, okay, here is, this is good because I think that anybody, anybody who's listening, that's like, I need to stand up. Like, I hope this inspires somebody because I think there's going to be where, you know, you have so much of your life left that somebody is going to, you're going to come at a time when you're going to feel a need to stand up and it could be for literally anything. Um, but obviously this was not, this was probably not easy to stand up, put yourself out there um, and get ready to feel maybe, like you said, like trolling comments or people not for you. Not everybody's going to love you. So how do you, how do you get past that? How do you get past like people maybe being negative or not believing in what you believe, but still going for it? How do you do that? Um, my kid smiles. <laughs> and, I, and I say that, I say that with full sincerity is knowing that I do send, you know, for Charleston County, there are religious and medical exemptions that can be um, granted. And I do have a religious exemption in place for my children. So they do go to school unmasked um, and they come home happy and they don't say anything to any other kids. Cause we make it very clear in my house that this is a choice and it is who are, you know, it's a, it's a family choice and your daddy and I don't believe in it. And so, but that is, you know, don't say anything to any of your friends, like whatever. Um, and they do, they, they know that wholeheartedly and they realize that it's a choice. Um, at the same time, my son did come home with his Martin Luther King <laughs> picture yesterday. And it said, I have a dream dot, dot, dot. And he filled in that, that my friends can go to school unmasked. Um, 
which yeah. broke my heart a little bit, but at the same time, like super proud of him for writing that, you know, yeah. and I have a dream one day that this is just like, almost like a, you know, Avengers blip and we're going to wake up right. back when life was yeah. um, But standing my ground and standing with my convictions, you know, like knowing what the research that I've done and knowing the, um, the people that do support me, like you and everybody in United Parents and leaning into that, um, and asking good questions back to those who oppose it. Um, because it's asking questions and opening that dialogue that help people understand where they're coming from. And those that are willing to listen actually eventually end up understanding. And those who are not willing to listen are part of the problem. And I'm, I'll say that wholeheartedly um, because it's, because it is one, it's it's our family's decision, and then I would never not respect the one that you're making right. for your family. Um, and two, if we can't be open to the dialogue of this, um, then where are we as a community? It just causes more division. Uh, I mean, I have half my neighborhood probably doesn't speak to. I know a few it's fine but I know a few that don't speak to me and I've lost friends over it for sure I mean but at some point um at some point this is all going to come to fruition and it's and I don't hold that against them and their and their decisions they're holding it against me and when they decide that this was all just silly to you know, hold a grudge or judge me in any way, then I'll be there because it's just not worth it. Life is, life is too short. And my children get one childhood. Yeah. My children get one childhood. Like what am, who am I to do, you know, deprive them of that? So. Right. Um, here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Um, you know, doing it for your kids and not worrying what other people think. I think we can apply that to so much in life. Okay. So you, so people don't know. So Maggie, you know, especially for people that are wanting to follow in your footsteps, like it's, you say that people have messaged you and I had so many people message me like how did, and I'm like sending, gosh, I was frantically sending stuff like this is what's going on. And, um, you know, and sending, you know, your letter and everything, but for people that are wanting to follow in the footsteps, you know, they could, you know, reach out to their, like, who would they, how would they, if they were like, you know what, I need to make a change, I guess, you know, in even again for anything in schools or whatever, you know, you reached out to, how did that work? The local representatives. I mean, that's just, that's just going on any of your government sites and looking up who represents you in your area um, and reaching out to them individually, asking for coffee, asking for a lunch, um, writing them a letter of, of your beliefs, and then seeing if they return any of those. Obviously it's the ones that are going to who care about their constituents who are going to step up and actually return a phone call or say, yeah, sure. Let's go grab, you know, let's go grab coffee. Um, especially with elections coming up, people will be very eager to hear what you have to say because they either a want to be reelected, um, or you've got, you know, new candidates that are wanting to know, you know, wanting to hear from you. Um, but it's look, it's, it's those local, representatives that I think make the biggest difference because those are the ones that go, especially for South Carolina, those are the ones who sit in the House chambers and in the Senate chambers and who are fighting for bills and um, legislators to get passed that that um, protect our freedoms and protect, protect our rights. Um, and that's 
I mean, I think that has been my biggest eye opener for this is, you know, you can reach out to the governor, but truth be told, the governor doesn't hold a whole lot of power if it doesn't pass the House and the Senate. He can't just write laws. Um, I know so many people are like, why can't he just do, you know, why can't he just do what DeSantis does in Florida? And I was like, well, because Florida isn't a legislative state. Mm. Uh, governor can write a law and can write whatever executive orders and whatever it may be. Well, ours can write executive orders too, but write laws without the House and the Senate passing. That's not how Florida works. But for South Carolina, it has to have a two thirds vote in the House and a two thirds vote in the Senate in order to reach the governor's desk to be made into law. Um, so our local representatives play a huge, huge role, you know, in what South Carolina can and cannot do, you know, in our citizens' rights for South Carolina. So that would be what I say for everyone living, you know, listening in South Carolina and then looking into other states, you know, how you're, how is your state run? Does right. your like DeSantis, then reaching out to your governor is the way to go. Um, I love you're- that you're so smart. <laughs> like, did you know any of this before? No. I like, I just learned today. You just educated me today. Yeah. I've always wondered like, what, why is DeSantis, how is this happening? You know, like so instantly. And then, okay, that makes much, I bet people don't know that either. Yeah. I hope somebody says that makes me feel smart. Um, And again, it's those local elections. I'll never miss a local election again. I will always know who I'm voting for. I will be sitting down with coffee or lunch or dinner or whatever it may be with, with my representatives or candidates that are running to represent me and letting them know exactly how I as a constituent feel and asking the hard questions of how they'll vote or what they will do in certain situations because I want to know who to vote for yeah I want to know who will return my call yeah yeah I think I think this has really been an eye-opening couple years of you know seeing and I think this is you know we live in this great country you know we should get to know how this works and you know and fighting for what we believe in and how our country is built on. So, and who's going to, I think electing people who are also going to fight for the same is really key. Okay. So now you went from, all right, so you do all this, you become, I swear Maggie Marla is like a household name here. And like, I like when I'm like, do you know Maggie Marla? And they're like, oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, oh yeah. Everybody knows Maggie because you know, she was all over the place. Um, you know, her name was being, you know, put out there everywhere. She was talking, you were talking at school board meetings. I mean, just, you know, really very quickly, but then you turned the unmasked group it was unmask our children into like basically now an organization for United parents. So like you see this bigger picture here that as parents, I mean, it really is empowering, like, Hey, we need actually do need to be United parents. So like, how does, I mean, what is United parents and how does that, like, what is that exactly that, that you're creating and your goals? Um, so United parents of South Carolina is, is more or less, um, we changed, we changed the name because we had unmasked our kids is essentially what it came down to. Um, and from there we had so many parents that were wanting to get involved, one with local elections, two understanding how it all worked and three, um, how they can make an impact, um, in the future and, and understanding what was happening, especially within our schools. Um, I think, I think if anything, COVID opened our eyes to a lot of the bureaucracy that goes through our school boards um, and the things that have that they have gotten away with 
Um, and it's opened, it's opened kind of Pandora's little box of parents being like, oh, wait, I didn't realize, I didn't, haven't been going to these school board meetings and didn't realize that the school board has been trickling in X, Y, and Z, and maybe my eyes need to be a little bit more open. So um, and honestly, it's, it's more or less a group of, a group for parents to inform each other of what's happening. So United Parents for us, we, you know, we have a Charleston chapter, we have a Beaufort chapter, we have a Midlands chapter and an upstate Lexington um, area chapter and Greenville chapter. Um, and we have people that have t- like reached out and just said, I want to, I want to clue in on our school board because, you know, our, our group grew immensely into like 6,000 people. And those 6,000 were like, wait a second, you focus so much on Charleston County. What about what's happening up here? And so I had reached out to those people and I was like, listen, I live in Charleston County. You know, I was one of the founders of this group. I'm going to focus on Charleston County because that's where my heart is. But I want you to post in this group that you're starting a, you know, a Midlands group or a Lexington group and run with it. And so that's what they did is they opened another group and said, everyone who's in this, you know, in this group that wants upstate information or about Richland County, Lexington, one, two, I mean, they've got Lexington County has like five districts or something. Um, So they've kind of branched off so that they can focus on their individual districts and what's happening within those school boards. So those 6,000 people that are in United Parents for the Low Country, um, you know, we have multiple United Parents um, across South Carolina that have just as many people in it. So it's been a um, kind of a trickle down effect. And I don't, I don't necessarily manage those people either. We talk, but they run their own show. They run their own thing. I'm not, this isn't, you know, a full on corporation or anything like that, but I gave them the foundation and of the grassroots efforts of what they could be doing and how to kind of systematically do it by reaching out to their local representatives and, you know, so on and so forth. So I, yeah, I think that, you know, when you start this, you know, people are like, oh, what is this? If this is an anti thing or whatever. Um, but it's really interesting because Maggie actually um, invites everybody to come to these meetings. She's like, please come and hear what it's all about and starts with the mission statement, you know, and it's always about it's I feel for me, you know, as a mom who's also part of United Parents, it's, you know, parents staying informed um, and we don't all agree on the same thing or we all, you know, can disagree on things. And I think that's the beauty of it. It's, you know, parents that want to be involved in their children's education and staying informed to make sure that like their beliefs are being instilled for their children and, you know, not to dismantle a single thing, but instead to rather come together. And I think that's like a misconception. Whenever groups get together, people are like, oh no, you know, it's like, no, no, we, we should, but like this is, you know, the parents should have been done, you know, as a mom and parents that are listening, like you're probably like crap, like we should have been doing a United parent group years ago. You know, like how, I mean, when you think about it, it's like we put our kids in kindergarten and we're like, we send them all for their cute backpacks and they walk on up and we're like, see ya. Like what? I'm sorry, but moms, like when you're listening, do you not, do you know what your kids are learning? Like you have to ask yourself right now, like, do I know what my kids are learning? Right. Do do I want to make sure that it's within my beliefs? Like, do I know? Okay. If you, for one, are like, crap, I actually don't even know. Then you're, then like, this is your heads up. I need to be informed. I need to know. Like for me personally, I don't love that. They said that uh, parents weren't allowed in schools. 
Well, I'm sorry, but I wouldn't send my kid to a Chick-fil-A, the home of the Lord's chicken, if I'm not allowed in there. Like, that would be weird. I wouldn't send them to Sky Zone. If they're like, no, you're not allowed in there. I wouldn't be like, well, here you go. Hope everything's good. Yeah, that's a no from me, dog. Like, that's not happening. And so it's like, this is where United Parents have to come together. And parents, like, United Parents is just such an open thing. You know, like, let's actually be a United Parent and help our children. And I think it's incredible, Maggie. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that does, um, you said it perfectly. I think, you know, again, COVID brought out the fact that we weren't allowed into the schools. We weren't meeting our teachers. We didn't know necessarily the kids that were in our, in our students, you know, in our children's classrooms and meeting the parents of those children. We weren't allowed to go and go to the holiday parties and we weren't allowed to have the concerts. We were, and we were so disconnected from school, the parent teacher connection. So I know I, I, yes, I have been in health and fitness for seven years, but took a break obviously from all of that to to fight for this. But previously uh, um, before that, I was a special education teacher for Charleston County school district. So I, you know, I have the teaching background um, and I understand how the school works. Um, You know, with, with that said, (laughs) I do have that background as well, but I have, um, you know, that parent teacher connection um, and the parent administrative connection within a school is, you know, so important, especially in the elementary school ages, you know, this is where we want to volunteer and see what, see what our kids are doing. And, and, you know, that disconnect happens, I think, just naturally with high schools. Um, so we want to be there for our elementary school age kids, which is what, what we are right now. You know, I always envisioned myself volunteering and doing all these things, and we're not allowed to necessarily do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's also another reason why United Parents kind of snowballed is that all these parents were like, well, what is happening inside of our schools? And it was a way for those of us who did have an insight to share all of that. Um, and I think it's been really eye-opening and, and allows, and has been allowed connections between parents that would have never happened before, which I also think has been really, really cool. I've met oh, some yeah. really amazing people through this process and um, people that I cherish and love and adore and respect um, so much. So it's been that yeah. part's really, really great. I love that. You know, and I think for people who are wanting to, you know, maybe start something. I remember when somebody messaged me and they were like, you know, they saw that our masks um, were being taken off. And I was like, they're like, what do I do? And I was like, start a group, like start a group, just get people together, get like-minded people together and, you know, and never make anything a secret. And I think that's something so great you've done with United Parents is your beliefs are so heavy in this that, you know, the meetings are never a secret. The groups never, like nothing is a secret. It's like, no, we're open because I believe in this so much. I'm willing to stand up for it. Like I'm willing to die on this hill, like come with me. And that has been incredible to watch. So yeah, we had a, we had a meeting in November, I think, um, where we had some people show up, you know, masked with, you know, things on their t-shirt, political ploys on their t-shirts. And clearly, clearly we're not in the same mind frame as most people that showed up to our meeting and they sat in the back and they actually heckled um, a friend of mine who was being forced and we're not going to go down the vaccine route yeah. she was forced to take a vaccine um, in order to sell at the local farmer's market. And I think that's, I mean, she's outdoor, she's a private vendor, you know, she was just trying to express that maybe we could write letters to our local government, you know, that, that's what this is all about. Um, and she was being heckled in the back. And, you know, I had to stand up and say, listen, we saw you come in, you're sitting in the back, you're wearing hats and masks. We don't know who you are, but we welcome you here. 
-hmm. We love that you are here and that you're listening to us so that you can hear what has to be said or what we are believe in, but don't heckle. Mm -hmm. If you're going, if you're going to do that, you're going to be asked to leave. And, you know, by the end of the meeting, I think one of the women left immediately. And by the end of the meeting, the other four actually recognized some neighbors and friends and went up to them and thanked them. And they've been back since. Um, just to hear what we have to say. They may not necessarily agree with us, but they thanked us for allowing them to sit there. And they're like, you're not at all what we thought you guys were. Um, I think that had to do with a couple of the speakers that we had that night, um, you know, that were, that are actually foreign, you know, from foreign countries and escaped here with their families. And it was one of those things where they had talks and everything else. But, um, I think it was really important for, for us to see as a group that they were, you know, or for them to see as a group that they were welcome, you know, and that we weren't, you know, we walked up to him and thanked him for being there. It wasn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. That was a fun night, (laughs) (laughs) but I I do love that anybody, you know, like can come and, you know, and I love that you've created that, you know, for people. So what would you, so what would your advice be for somebody, um, especially someone who's listening in that's like, I've always wanted to stand up for this. I don't know. It could be freaking dress code, you know, like, you know, like I want to stand up. I, I don't think we should have a dress code or I think we should, or I want to just stand up for something. Um, what would your advice be to that woman? Maybe she's a little scared and like, what would you say? Um, do, I mean, just do it. I mean, you have to stand by your, you have there's, there's going to be a time and a place where you're going to regret not standing up for your beliefs. And it, it may be tomorrow, it may be a month from now, it may be a year from now. But I know that when I finally spoke out and finally started standing up and then just stood in my convictions and my beliefs of this, um, there's honestly just like no turning back and it feels really good to be authentically yourself always, right? That's something that, you know, with, with our background in health and fitness, it's just being authentically you and yourself and you're going to find people who feel the same way. And I think that's the biggest scarcity behind it is if I stand up and if I speak out and if, what if I'm the only one? Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought I was the only one until Farron reached out and then Roger <laughs> reached out and then Stacy reached out and then we had this group. And in 72 hours, I had like 3,500 people who all felt the same way. And I was like, holy crap, I'm not alone. You know, yeah. so it's one of those things where it just takes that moment in time where you're like, I, yeah, like enough is enough and I can't do this anymore. And I, I do understand those who have jobs or like, you know, those single mothers who have the one income and they're paying for their families and they, they have been, they have been gagged to not say something like there's, there's also that aspect of it, right. They're afraid to speak up of losing their jobs, which just to me is outrageous. Um, cause that's freedom of speech in my opinion, and should be considered and not, um, not be something that's held against somebody, but, um, finding, finding those numbers, there's power in numbers. So if you can find others who feel the same way as you, um, to stand up and stand alongside you, there's, there's power in that. So, um, it just takes that, it just takes that moment to put yourself out there to find those people. Right. And, you know, you said about people who feel like I can't say anything. And, you know, I know I have a couple of friends that are teachers that are like, really nervous about saying certain things. I truly believe 
there's something else you can do. Like you can support others, you know, like in a different, you know, in a different way, the ones that you see are speaking up, you can support them. You can say, what can I do to help? Like I could write letters. I can, you know what I mean? I don't know. And it's just, you know, you have to eventually like you have to be involved. And if you truly believe in something, you can't just sit on it. You know, like you said, like this particular thing is for our children. And you said they only get one childhood. So if you just sit on it and you'd be like, well, I'll just keep it going. Even though I don't believe in it, I'll just keep doing it. You know, what does that say? What does that say for our kids too? If we just continue to do things that we don't believe in, then, you know, that's not, that's not the kid that I want to raise. Like I want to raise a child that says, I don't believe in this. So I think I need to say something or do something. So act in a way you want your kids to act one day, because that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I also like, do as I do and do as I say, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to falter. I'm not going to say you got to wear a mask for eight hours a day, but then walk around and, and, and not wear a mask everywhere I go, which is what so many people are doing. Um, it's just in my eyes, so hypocritical. And I don't want my children to look at me one day and be like, why did you make me mask? When you didn't wear one anywhere you went, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. In my head, I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to walk the walk. I'm going to talk the talk and I'm going to lead by example. Yeah. Um, We don't have a society that's leading by example right now. Um, And we've got really confused kids, in my opinion, again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's my opinion, but I, you know, it's even our, even our leaders, you know, in South Carolina and it's, and across the nation, you know, mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, you can, none of it makes sense. Yeah, none of you got to make that make sense to me. I yeah. don't understand any of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, you know, and again, I think there's a scarcity tactic of of COVID out there. And I'm, I'm not going to go down that that rabbit hole, but um, I do think that there is there's been an you know an overwhelming fear um, that has been put on society, and then that fear has been you know, pushed and pushed to our children for some reason. Um, and our children who are least likely to get COVID, our children who are least likely to die of COVID. And I know that there has been deaths, don't go down that road either. You know, no child should have to die from this, but we have to realize too that our children are not the threat of this. Um, they are actually the brunt of everybody's burden. And I cannot look at my child's face and say, you have to, you're perfectly healthy. You don't have a cold, you don't have feet, you don't have runny nose, you don't have cough, you don't have fever, your stomach doesn't ache, nothing, but you got to wear this mask to protect the person who doesn't feel well. Yeah. Like that to me, you got to make that make sense. I'm like, yeah. your fear of this um, is not my child's burden to carry. Right. And I don't, I, I would never want him to be that, you know, never want them to be that. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I, I like, I'll forever stand on, you know, parent choice and the matter. And I think that you know, I, I think that everything that you've done, like has been incredible and I think it's truly inspiring. And okay. So what do you think, what's the next step for Maggie Marlowe? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uprooting our school board. If I can, <laughs> I'm focusing on that, finding the good candidates that actually focus on the education of our children. Um, you know, this isn't about politics. This isn't anything else. It's it's refocusing that our community, you know, rebuilding that, you know, community togetherness, the teacher, parent, administrative connecting connections, um, 
allowing parents back into schools to see what is happening and having a school board that focuses on the education of our children and not the politics behind what's happening um, in our world. And unfortunately, that's, that is what our school board focuses on. So I'm, I am, um, you know, masks at this point, you know, masks are eventually going to come off. My children sit in school without a mask on. I still sit here on a daily basis and fight for the other kids that, that wear masks. Um, sometimes I question myself and why I'm doing it, but the masks to me at this point are a symbol of power and control that our school board still holds. Um, and to me, that is just not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and I question, I question the, the, efficacy of our school board who can sit there and go about their business on a daily lives without wearing a mask, but be okay with, with mandating it for, you know, the better of our community at this point right. is really what it comes down for to. For other it. people's children. For other people. I mean, go, to, I'm sorry, can you go to your local rec department on a Friday night? Nobody cares about COVID. Let's be yeah. honest. It's just yeah. like, so, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to do this the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't know. You started this, this organization now. It's this only not a long-term goal of mine is to, is to do this. Um, you know, it is a goal of mine to continue standing up for my children and continue standing up for their rights and their liberties in the United States. Um, I think that's important because across the board, we've got some scary things happening. I mean, look what's happening in Canada. Again, we're not going to go down all that route, but I'll just throw that out there. Um, you know, so it is, it's important to stay informed and it's more important that when you have a question that you dive in and answer it and answer it with every single angle, which is, you know, I think what I did, we cannot help, but to see on the news, everything that they want us to see. Mm -hmm. It is, I think, up to us to dive in and ask why they're wanting us to see that and what the other, what the other story is. And that's what yeah. I did. And the other story has a lot more common sense to it. Right. <laughs> that's being pushed. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was you doing that research, you know, that brought you to the, holy crap, this might not, this might not be right. Because again, you were the person before people, you know, before they, they knew the Maggie Marlowe you know, it was like, they're probably thinking like, oh my gosh, she doesn't, she's not into any of this, but really before you asked questions, you just did as you were told, you know, and just like everybody else, you know, and then you realize this is not okay. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I wore the, I have a Facebook post back in 2020, somewhere along the lines where I was like, you guys wearing a mask is not that difficult because mm -hmm. in all honesty, it is not until I saw a man fall over and his head crack open in front of me. And I started questioning things. And then I thought, and then I actually had anxiety starting to wearing masks after that happened, which made it more difficult for me to go out. So that I have these other, I have these other things, you know, that it was just kind of this step-by-step -step process that happened and we didn't go anywhere in 2020. Nobody did. Right. Mm -hmm. So we were home in our comfy little environment and I saw the same families in our neighborhood over and over. And, we, and I want to say like, we probably scattered you know, having people over like every week and a half, two weeks, or we went there every week. And a, I mean, we did what we were supposed to do, this yeah. whole, like, you know, for all, for most of 2020. And then it, it got to the point where it just wasn't like, how long, how long does this, how long right. will this take, you know? Um, and really diving in and just, just listening to the other side. Yeah. You know? Ask questions. Yeah. yeah. Get involved.
Yeah. Um, don't just accept things because, you know, it's easy, I think, um, which it would be a lot easier, you know, like to just accept. And yeah, yeah. Again, but, it, it was the complacency of the of the people that I was surrounding myself with that I was that made me really question and just be like, I'm done. Yeah, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I love that. I love I love that you are leading the way for, you know, just being unapologetically you and standing up for yourself. And I think you're truly, I feel like this podcast will inspire more women to, you know, again, I, I, I've said like, you know, on both sides, like whatever, you know, like I don't see anybody standing up for, you know, the other thing, you know, like you just stand, stand up for what you believe and actually have the research to back it. And clearly, you know, for anybody listening, you know, I know some people like, you know, oh, I don't know if I agree or whatever, but it's like, it, it, it was enough that was in front of the governor that said, oh, this is not okay. And so like, whether you agree or not, like, you know, it's in within our constitutional rights and it, it was, you know, and again, medical prophylactic, I don't think anybody's ever heard of that word before. I bet people are like, well, what is that? Googling it right now? Like, shoot, you're right. You know? And, um, I think you're awesome. And, you know, I actually sent, I will say, for medical backing, I sent Maggie's letter to a friend that I have who um, is a PA, uh, physician's assistant. And I was like, look at this, you know, whatever. And she was like a hundred percent and she fully stand, you know, so it was like, okay, cool. Like, um, so, you know, people know, and you did the right thing. And, and we are also thankful for you here in South Carolina. So, well, where can people find you? So where can people find you if they want to message you or email you or whatever, just kind of follow your journey at this point? Um, well, I am on Facebook. I, I want to say that I'm a private page now, um, just because I do get so many people. I mean, just hate, I had so many hate messages and people reaching out and could tag me in certain things. Um, I, I do have somebody behind the scenes that are, that has my personal email and signing me up for all of these really like far left liberal newsletters and like people have a lot of time on their hands. Let's just be honest. Um, so, but if you wanted to reach me, um, you know, United Parents of South Carolina, if you want to get involved, um, you know, reach out to Farron or you could reach us at unitedparentssc at gmail.com. Um, and we can, get you signed up for it. Um, or we have a newsletter that you could get signed up for to get involved with, or just be informed if you wanted to go that route. Um, and I receive all those emails. So that would be a direct, you know, contact for me. Yay. Well, Maggie, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast and for sharing your story. I know it was like hard to share, um, you know, like the beginning and kind of who you were and who you are now. And, um, I truly, truly believe that this is going to inspire another woman or person to stand up and to fight for their beliefs. Um, you know, and watching you do it has been super, super inspiring. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you so much. You have no idea. Oh, I'm so glad this has been awesome. So everybody make sure you tag Maggie, um, don't be afraid to reach out to her, um, especially if you have questions or, you know, I mean, she's literally an open book of information. And so, um, but tag her, let's give her love and share her story, share it with someone who you think needs to hear this. Um, you know, I know that I'm going to be sharing in United Parents, like for people to be listening and hear how this started, um, and inspire someone else to do the same. So thank you for listening, everybody. And I'll see you later. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Inspire Her podcast. Make sure you share it with your friends, tag me on Instagram, Insta Stories, or Facebook, and let's inspire her together.